This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Have you been wanting to ask our personal finance experts on Money Talks a question? Well, you're in luck, because today is an open topic show. You can ask our experts about retirement, moving money, or dealing with debt. We'll also to talk about what to buy and not buy in October. So you can give us a call. We've got some open phone lines, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope you're both doing well this morning. Good, good morning. morning. Uh, any financial news in the news? Well, I think the biggest thing going on right now is we're watching what's happening politically. Um, understand that with your investments in the long run, you know, it really comes back to the value of those businesses. But you do have the short term um, things that can happen. And certainly politics does play a role in that. And so we're kind of cautious about that, wondering how this will affect investors. Uh, so far, they seem to keep rolling. Um, the other thing is, how will it affect consumers? Will consumers, mm-hmm. because they're watching the news and they have some concerns about it, especially as we head into the Christmas retail season, are they going to be pulling in and not spending as much? And so that will affect all of us. All right. Uh, Our producer, Liz Gill, found some updates from a couple of things that we were talking about on last week's show. Uh, The first one is that WeWork is withdrawing its IPO filing after weeks of corporate drama. Uh, They announced Monday that it will file a request to withdraw that IPO. Uh, It comes after uh, the the company's co-founder, Adam Newman, was stepping down as CEO and two weeks after the company announced they were delaying their IPO. So uh, I think you had kind of anticipated that uh, last week, Ryder, but... uh, you Any heard thoughts? it here first That's on right. MPB. That's right, guys. So, uh, stay, stay here for breaking news all the time. Any thoughts? Um, so I, it's, I think it's a good thing that the, the CEO is stepping down a lot of their issues. I, I mean, you know, we could talk about their business model all day. I happen to think it's interesting and, and you know, perhaps a good business model. A lot of people disagree with me. Um, but a lot of their problems seem to stem from corporate governance. Um, the, you know, the founder as the CEO and chairman, um, he just and he had most of the voting shares. So pretty much what he said went and that's fine when you have a small company and you have a role and a hand in every day-to-day management but as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger you need more and more knowledgeable people you need people who are going to take that load off of you and it seems that he wasn't doing that especially kind of in the vision and growth kind of space and uh, so it's a good thing that uh, he's stepping aside to let um, some some people who know what they're doing uh, take control from here. Well, and ultimately, uh, when you want to go public,
public, you want to get the best price per share you can mm-hmm. get. And they were already um, having some problems and pushback from Wall Street saying, you know, you're really not worth as much as you say you're mm-hmm. worth. And so what they're doing is uh, they're going to put all this on hold and try to regroup, um, build cash. They're also talking about a bunch of layoffs, which is what a company is going to do when they try to increase their earnings is is lower their labor cost. And um, so that's what they're going to do to prepare themselves for a later offering. You know, that's one thing that <clears throat> I used to watch Shark Tank a lot, and a lot of it I kind of went over my head in terms of the business, but I know that was always one of the contentious points is what uh, the, the, the picture, value, yeah. right, what they thought their company was worth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that obviously depends on how much investment money they can get in it as well. Uh, another update, uh, GM will cover health insurance costs for its striking workers. Uh, they've reversed course and agreed to resume paying health insurance. Uh, three days after the f- nearly 50,000 union workers walked off their job in September, uh, General Motors had said they would cease paying the costs of workers' health care. But again, they have reversed that decision and say that they will pay for those uh, health care costs. And that's good news. Um, but just this morning, I think it was, I don't remember which publication, there was a great article about um, how employer insurance is getting so expensive. And of course, employers are asking their employees to pick up more and more of the tab. And so even if you have insurance provided by your employer, you're finding you're having to pay more for it. And then finally, um, the U.S. Department of Labor has announced a final rule to make 1.3 million American workers newly eligible for overtime pay. Uh, any thoughts on this? Have either of you been sort of following this story at all? Yeah, so I, and this stems back from a, a long time ago, uh, back in, I want to say, Obama's first term. Uh, they proposed some pretty sweeping uh, overtime uh, rule changes, which basically just, just, just made it so a ton more people would be included, which you know it was probably a good idea because it had been a long time since it's been updated. People are making more money, but still working kind of long, arduous hours. Uh, and they also changed the classification of what sort of workers are included. Um, and because traditionally, uh, folks who would be considered uh, managers are not necessarily included, um, but now. Uh, and so those those were going to be included previously, and I'm I'm not sure whatever happened to the implementation of that. But these new rules going into effect, they're basically a kind of watered down version of that. Um, it does, I believe, increase the uh, dollar uh, salary that you you know are still eligible for overtime for, um, and maybe changes in some of the employees eligible. So it'll be good for folks who were at the borderline there, uh, but it's just not as not as big a change as it was going to be before. All right. And again, thanks to our producer, Liz Gill, for staying on top of some of the things that we've been talking about and updating a couple of those stories from some previous shows. Uh, This morning, it's an open topic show, so we're looking for your personal finance questions. Our phone lines are open right now, and so if you have a personal finance question that you need answering, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or you can email money at mpbonline.org. Uh, There are a couple of reminders. Uh, If you filed an extension to file your federal income tax in April, October 15th is the deadline for extensions. It's the final deadline. Okay. Yes. So uh, what exactly, so what are you asking for when you file for an extension and and what does it grant you? You're just asking for more time to do the paperwork. You're not um, delaying any 
payment. You kind of have to estimate what your payment will be and go ahead and send in the money. But you do have to fill out a form and make it official that they've said, okay, we'll wait to get the paperwork back from you. How very kind. Yes, we'll take yes. your money, but yeah, we'll, we'll your, give you exactly. a couple of <laughs> Yep. Because it is the IRS. Yes. Also, today, October 1st, is the starting day for the free application for federal student aid, FAFSA. You've heard us talk about that on the program. Uh, and, Ryder, that's really an important mm-hmm. thing for uh, college students uh, to be concerned about. Uh, yes. And so this is, a, this is good. Uh, previously, uh, the the starting you know date was a little later in the year, actually, maybe uh, in the following year. But because it's October first, they made this change a few years ago. Because it's o- October first now, it looks back at your tax return from two years ago, uh, which means, you know, one thing for folks who maybe had, you know, a large increase in their salary in the past year, that's not going to weigh on their first year of financial aid. Uh, But it does mean that parents need to start doing kind of uh, college cost planning two years earlier. Uh, So when your child is a uh, freshman and sophomore in high school is, one, that's when they need to be getting their grades into shape, and two, that's when you need to be looking at your income and your assets and making sure that um, you're not going to be, you know, earning too much or, or making sure that your income is kind of optimized for, for the financial aid situation. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is not October is the last month of the federal fiscal year or the first month? I can't remember. Oh, I don't remember. I think it's... I thought it was either September 30th or August 31st. That's the end of the fiscal year. for the There are a lot of things in the fall connected to college is um, the open enrollment for uh, one of Mississippi's college savings plans, Mm -hmm. IMPACT, which is the prepaid college tuition program. If you use the other one, which is the 529 that's called MAX, Mississippi Affordable College Savings, um, you can do that any time during the year. And Liz uh, Gill tells us that, yes, today is the first day of the federal fiscal year. Also, you mentioned uh, the college savings plans. If you want more information about how those work, you can always go and search uh, for a back episode on mpbonline.org. Find the Money Talks page, and you'll be able to access that uh, interview that we had a couple of months ago, I think maybe six, eight weeks ago. Uh, Great information about that and and, uh, really a good way to uh, put away some money uh, for college uh, for anyone that's really attending college. And that is through the treasurer's office. So you can just uh, search for the Mississippi treasurer and go online and great website as far as uh, frequently asked questions and fill out forms online. All right, we're going to take our first break. It is an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring You can call one 672 to get your question answered or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. When we get back between your phone calls, we'll talk about things to buy and not to buy in the month of October. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you missed part of the show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen again. You can also download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all of the Think Radio shows on your schedule. And a reminder, we had mentioned that uh, a previous show that we had done that talked about the college savings plans offered in Mississippi, that was the September 3rd episode. So again, if you're looking at our archive for that particular show, uh, just navigate to the November 3rd show and you can review what we talked about about the college savings plans here in Mississippi. So uh, between phone calls this morning, we'll be talking about what to buy and what not to buy in October, but we do have a caller on the line. So let's begin in Olive Branch and say good morning to Renee. Hello, Renee, you're on the air with us. Hi, good morning. Good morning. morning. My question is about a retirement account when my husband changed jobs, it was a different 401 company. He left his old 401 with that location, and it's just locked down. It's not doing anything. My question is, would he be better served to roll it over into his current 401, maybe invest in an annuity? Um, he does still have several years of work left, and I'm just not real sure where we should go with that. Well, the first thing is don't do the annuity. Uh, but whether or not you want to roll it over depends on the company that it's with. So the old 401k plan, how good is that company? Um, what are their fund options? Are they good fund options? Are their expense ratios low? That's the critical thing right there, what you're paying for all of that. And are you really paying attention to it and doing what you need to do to make sure it grows with you. Um, The new plan that he has under the new employer, how good is it? So whether you want to put the old one with the new one depends on how good the company is, what the fund options are, and how much you have to pay for it. If that's not a good option either way, you can take that old plan and roll it to an IRA account, an individual retirement account, and you can do that anywhere, Vanguard, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and have all kinds of options and maybe lower cost, depending on if you get some help with all of that. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Both of the both of the 401s are the big boys. They're both really good companies. And for Can whatever you tell reason, us? I, Can I don't you tell know us? why my husband has it the way he has it, but it's not earning anything. All right. Which companies? Hmm. Can you tell us? Sure. It's one. The old one is Fidelity, and the new one is Wells Fargo. Okay. Um, Fidelity would be my favorite. Wells Fargo, okay. But Fidelity has really good options, and most of the time, lower cost options. It depends on what those trustees or plan sponsors negotiated with Fidelity. But maybe he just needs to get some help on choosing something better, or again, he may just like to roll it to an IRA. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Nancy. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right, Renee, thanks for your call. Uh, now, Nancy, you are not a big fan of annuities. If you would remind us again why you think that's not the best investment. In well, an annuity is a tax-deferred vehicle. And if you have retirement money, it's already tax-deferred. And so you don't need to do a double layer there. You already have it open to you. Um, annuities are really designed for just a small slice of the population, people who can lock in their money for long periods of time, who've already um, maxed out every other retirement option they can do, and they have plenty outside of that, so they're not worried about having to tap into it. The problem with annuities is most of the time they are sold, which means there's going to be high commissions, and often we see um, high expense ratios, annual expense ratios, as well as long-term surrender charges. So if you try to get to your money beyond maybe even 10%, then you may be facing some hefty charges to get it. So all kinds of penalties. It makes your money very inaccessible. It is an open topic day on Money Talk, so we're looking for any personal finance question that you might have. You can either call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or email money at mpbonline.org. In fact, we do have an email here that says, On Monday, I'm changing employers and will be losing 3% 401k match by moving to the new company. That represents approximately $3,180 a year in employer-provided retirement savings. I max out my Roth IRA and, cri- and contribute the maximum to my 401k every year already. So what are additional options for me to consider in which I can save another 3180 a year to offset the loss in match? Um, so since you're maxing out your 401k and maxing out your Roth IRA, you don't have much other retirement specific options unless, and you'll have to uh, check with your 401k provider, dig deep into that 401k plan document and see if they allow after tax contributions, which you can do after tax contributions to make that total up to 50, ooh, is it 53,000 this year? Um, 54, maybe. Maybe. And and so so your your nineteen thousand dollars is your maximum contribution to your four hundred one k. That's the maximum you can defer if you're under the age of fifty. If you're over the age of fifty, then you have an extra six thousand mm-hmm. up to twenty five thousand a year. Um, but it, once you've hit that deferred max, some plans will allow you to make after-tax contributions. And that's basically just putting the money in there. Um, it's kind of like putting it into a Roth IRA. And some plans will allow you to move that into a Roth IRA-like account, which is a pretty nice benefit for folks who can afford to save a lot of money. But However, you may be complicating things when you do that by mixing in after-tax and pre-tax. Uh, possibly. But if you're looking to crank out some savings, that's a nice way to do it because you do get a little bit of tax benefit in the long run from that. However, uh, if that's not available to you, and that's not available to a lot of people, I've looked at a lot of 401k plan documents and I don't see that very often, but uh, you can just save that in a regular uh, investment account. You know, if, if you if you are already comfortable with the amount of cash savings you have, you are, you know, you're making good progress on your other financial goals and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to have an extra $3,000 every Every year to set aside, we'll just go ahead and set that aside in a regular, we call them taxable investment accounts. It's an individual investment account. Uh, if you open one up with your spouse or your partner, um, we call it a joint account because it is jointly owned. Um, 
And you can just you put money in on a regular basis, get it invested, just like you would in your 401k, just except you have the whole world of investments open to you. Um, and if you have ever listened to us before, you know, we recommend low cost funds. We are fans of just passive funds, particularly if you have uh, if that passive fund is aligned with your goals and you have the, the long time horizon. Um, so, yeah, it, that, it's not a retirement specific option, but there's always places to save money. Uh, just sticking that in a regular account. All right. We uh, are looking for your personal finance questions this morning. You can use the email machine. Just send it to money at mpbonline.org or give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. It's always fun to me to talk about when we get these what to buy and not to buy in certain parts at times of the year because it's fun to try to figure out exactly why that would be. One thing that is a, a, a hot buy in the month of October, uh, blue jeans, uh, that's the best time to buy them. The cold weather staples have been on shelves since back-to-school season, and retailers are now starting to discount them. Also, if they're still on the racks, T-shirts, shorts, and summer dresses and other warm weather items are deeply discounted. So uh, you could uh, go and stock up for next summer. You'll have a brand-new wardrobe in your closet just waiting. Just don't waiting. grow anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, with our crazy temperatures, we're kind of throwing the whole seasonal calendar out of whack anyway. But... Uh, uh, I guess that makes sense. If something's been on the shelves for a while and isn't selling, the retailers want to get it moving. So that's why they, they might want to discount uh, blue jeans now. Well, my favorite trick is to shop on those uh, shoulder season times. And as you say here in Mississippi, it's still pretty warm, even though the calendar says October 1st. So you can find some summer outfits that are very inexpensive, maybe wear them for a, a little while. And then I put them in my closet. And when I bring them out next spring, it feels like I have a new wardrobe. Well, in my case, too, if you if you have a polo shirt, which is a short sleeve shirt that you can wear in the spring and the summertime, if you wear that under a sweater, then it can also be worn uh, in the wintertime. And then if you go into a, a building that's especially warm, maybe overheated or something, you can put the sweater on and off and, and uh, regulate your temperature. You're such a fashion icon, Kevin. <laughs> Stay tuned in the 10 o'clock hour for MPB's local show on fashion. All right. They're saying that uh, you could should skip cleaning supplies. Supplies. It says if you need a new vacuum cleaner or other floor care device, try to get by with your current model. You can expect deep vacuum and cleaning supply sales in late November and again in early spring. I never knew that. I, yeah. I will say if you need cleaning supplies, you just should go, go ahead, ahead and, and buy it. You yeah. know, if your house is a mess, don't be like, you know what? I'm going to wait for that sale after Thanksgiving because especially if you're having company over it, they're going to want it to be a yeah. little bit spiffed up. Yeah, writers, writers on a, um, a bench right now. Of cleaning and straightening. <laughs> I, I clean and straighten my house very regularly. Thank now, you, Nancy. But again, any thoughts as to why vacuums go on sale? I have no clue. I have no clue. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, get, I mean, I, you, spring would seem, you know, spring cleaning and yeah, all that. Yeah, because we but, do spring cleaning. Right. Any, anybody in our uh, listening audience has some insight into why the vacuums I, I don't know are if, on if sale. It's the, the manufacturer or the change of models. I don't know. Since my vacuum rarely gets used, they last for years. Yeah. It's amazing. Do people just. <laughs> 
do people just maybe not use vacuums over the winter and that's why and so they're like oh we, nobody's going to come in and buy one that's, I don't know I don't know I, and then as Ryder said if you're out there and have a theory as to why vacuum sales go, vacuum cleaners go on sale uh, in November let us know that's in, in the meantime use your broom there you go that's, that's pr- probably better you know what I've learned to do is I use the broom and then I use the vacuum to suck up all the the dirt and the dust and such mm-hmm. so because I uh, you know a, a, a dustpan it's always hard to get that last little the bit last of, little line exactly yeah. <laughs> so you just that's sweep right. it under the rug that's right. and then and then you got to use the the vacuum to get the the corners and yes. the baseboards as exactly. well oh, it gets you, those finicky you do that? bits <laughs> What is this, Nancy? <laughs> yeah, that's the best because you pull the thing out and use the little extender wand there. Uh-huh. He's right to get in the corners and things. And and I have a cat, so there's always going to be little furballs here and there. So, um, hey, if you have a personal finance question for us today, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email a question as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We're going to take uh, another break. When we get back, we'll continue talking about things to buy and not to buy in October and also looking for your personal finance questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're talking about things to buy and not to buy in October, and maybe some things to do in October uh, concerning your personal finance, but we are also looking for some personal finance questions, and the phone lines have lit up, so we're going to do that first by going to Mike in Memphis. Good morning, Mike. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, I recently moved from Portland, Oregon. I'm retired. I sold a house out there. I've got $95,000 from the proceed from the house. I recently started a part-time job, but I've got the 95000 sitting in a Wells Fargo uh, savings account earning about 100 bucks a, a month or so. I need to know what uh, what I should do with that money because I don't doesn't look like I'm going to reinvest in another house anytime soon. Well, if you're not going to reinvest in a house, then you do need to reinvest that money, as you say. It needs to be earning more than a money market rate. And you probably need to sit down with somebody and look at your whole financial situation. Uh, you talked about being retired, but you are working part-time. Uh, what other income will you have? Are you already on Social Security? And do you need to then park this money and look at it as long-term money, which means it needs to be probably in a balanced account with stocks and bonds and cash and real estate all in one, and you can use some good mutual funds or exchange-traded funds to do that. But definitely it needs to earn more than the money market rate. Do you have a recommendation for uh, somebody to talk to? Uh, uh, 
Well, I, my caution would be to, to make sure anybody you talk to, you ask them the question, how do you earn your money? And it's fine to talk with somebody who's a commissioned person, but make sure you understand that up front so you can ask with anything that they're suggesting to you, well, how much are you going to be making? Because the commissions are different on different products. Our bias is to use somebody who is fee only, so you know exactly uh, what you're being charged, and they you don't have as much of the conflict of interest that comes with commission products. Um, when I, I talk to somebody, they try to sell me something. What should I avoid? Avoid annuities. <laughs> avoid annuities. Avoid annuities. For Absolutely. Sure. Um, avoid that one down already. Yes. <laughs> and avoid in, just any high pressure situation. And um, if you want to uh, go uh, back to the call screener and give them your email address, um, I would be happy to pass on a recommendation and kind of just a little more ideas of what you might want to look for um, for someone in the Memphis area. That'd be great because uh, I'm a babe in the woods when it comes to uh, this kind of money. I, I like I said, retired, getting Social Security, got mm-hmm. a part-time job, and a thousand-dollar a month pension from my uh, uh, previous job. So, oh, well, that uh, that's good that you have all that guaranteed income. And so, I mean, it kind of sounds to me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is money that you don't necessarily need to to live off of, and you just have to kind of let it grow and maybe help you out in the future, huh? Right. It used to be a hundred thousand, but after the <laughs> after the he first had some expenses. Of months here, it's gone down to to, to ninety five. So I need to park it somewhere quick where I can't get my hands on it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, we'd be happy to um, help if we can. But again, with when, whenever you're looking at what do I do with this money, the question is always well. The first question is always when are you going to need it? Is it going to need to support you? Are you going to be spending on something? You know, what is that timeline there? And that's going to be the first things that a, an advisor is going to be asking of you as well. But I do need to reinvest it or I'll get taxed on it as a capital gain. Is that correct? No, 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 no. No, no you won't uh, because uh, it sounds like what you did was you sold a primary residence and right. uh, you've got up to $250,000 of gain on a primary residence that is not taxable. All right, Mike, what I'm going to do is put you back on hold, and if you could give uh, some email information to our call screener, they'll forward that along to uh, Ryder, and he'll see if he can get you some uh, leads there in the Memphis area. Thanks for your phone call. Let's go next. We've got Paula on the line from Ridgeland. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. Go ahead. I have about $25,000 that I need some information on how best to invest it um coming up on 60 and so I do have a full-time job and I'll be retiring I guess in seven years so we're looking for a place to put it where we will have access to it but we can make the most off of it that we can um so Paula are you um do you have an employer retirement plan you're contributing to right now yes um how much are you contributing to the plan uh it's the max amount it's an employer match Okay, so the maximum amount is not the employer match. Okay. Because Ryder mentioned earlier when we were responding to another caller that the maximum for a 401k is 19000 You are over 50, so that is now up to 25000 a year you could put in your employer plan. 
So if you're only doing what they're matching, you're leaving a lot of room there. And this 25000 if you don't need it in your hands right now, if you already have a nice little cash savings account that you can tap into if you need it, it can help you then increase what you're putting in your employer plan through your payroll. And you can use any decline in your paycheck. Um, you can use this money to offset that. Okay. All right, Paula, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Just a quick reminder, if you ever need to get in touch uh, with Nancy or Ryder, you can always go through our email address. And if you had a question that you may want to answer off air, uh, we can always make sure that they get it. And our email address is money at mpbonline.org. Back to Memphis we go. This time we say good morning to Patricia. Patricia, you're on the air with us. So go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. My question concerns a 529 plan I have for my granddaughter. I only have one grandchild, so all the money that I've uh, put in the 529, I was thinking if she needed it, would be there for her. She is applying for scholarships. She's a senior this year. She's applying for scholarships. so I got to thinking if she got through the four years of uh, school and then um, there was money left and I didn't have anybody, family member I want, could transfer to, what would, could I take the money out without a tax penalty? Um, okay, so... If the account is listed as you with the owner, that's a separate issue. We'll get to that in a second. But the money can be used, uh, since your granddaughter is the beneficiary, it can be used for any of her schooling. So if she wants to go get a professional degree, get a uh, master's degree, uh, that can be used uh, in the future. Additionally, she can withdraw that. If she gets scholarships, there are some allowances uh, for you know withdrawing the money. So, so, so that you're not just kind of like penalized for getting a scholarship and you lock this money up forever um you can take right, some money know, out but she she could if i gave her money out of the plan right that counts towards the income and could affect scholarship right money. and so what i was about to say about that since it is registered in your name uh as the owner right. and you are the grandparent then any money coming out counts as income for her and that will decrease the amount of uh kind of uh need-based scholarships that she gets uh, by a significant amount. Basically, every dollar that comes out of there would reduce need-based scholarships by 50 cents. Um, So that's quite a steep penalty. But like we discussed earlier, uh, the FAFSA looks back two years. Uh, so in her junior and senior year, that wouldn't really have an impact. Um, right. So that's one possibility if you're just trying to get the money out. You, If you are not spending the money on qualified higher education expenses, and again, it's, it's a fairly generous, generous interpretation uh, that the IRS has of that. If you're not spending it on qualified higher education expenses, then you cannot take the money out tax-free. Uh, you cannot take the money out without that 10% penalty. So just, you know, just be aware of that. You know, if she goes through college and she's never going to school again and you haven't taken the money out, that's it. Um, you can always, you, you can do. Including what I put in, you know, I have a basis in there that I paid tax on that's in there. 
Um, I, I, well, first I want to back up and say, I know you said, well, may I, maybe I don't have another family member that I can give that to, but it's pretty broad as far as how you can transfer that to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that option. Um, I'm not sure about the basis part of that as you're discussing about uh, what you've put in because the, the tax-free is on the growth. And um, so it's possible that the penalty would only be applied to the growth on that. Uh, We would have to check on that to be sure. But um, there are all kinds, you know, think about room and board. um, Think about books, computers, everything that goes into that. And and make sure you use it up as much as possible. And that's the plan. I was going to wait till she started, like you said, the junior, senior year Mm -hmm. and have it there unless there's a need earlier and Um, what you can also do to avoid that uh that kind of penalty on um uh, on the the need-based scholarship is you can transfer it into her her name or her parents name you can change the ownership and additionally if her parents or her have an account of their own or even if they don't just tell them to open one well you can have them open one and say you don't want to send them all of the money at once say you just like you know say there's ten thousand dollars and you want to send them twenty five hundred a year but you know oh if i send them this twenty five hundred that'll affect her scholarships later on you can then send that into an account that her parents own and then they can withdraw that and then that would avoid that would avoid the uh, the non-parental kind of penalty that there is that I mentioned on the the need-based scholarships uh, just when it is uh, in the parents name it counts as something like every dollar they take every dollar they have is something like five cents against their um, need base which is just drastically better than um, than when a, when a grandparent withdraws it okay so that's just I a little appreciate- game you could play you know kind of moving it around in shells. Yeah, that uh, because I want her to have maximize. I want to maximize this for her, uh, so that's the main thing. I appreciate that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Enjoy your show. Absolutely. Thanks, Patricia, for your phone call. Let's uh, go next to David in Horn Lake. David, you're on the air with us. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to know where you can, since the feds cut the interest rates twice, where can you put your money to make a decent interest, you know, income off off of the money? And also, when you go talk to your advisor or whatnot, where can you find a company or advisor that works purely on a fiduciary standard versus a suitability standard? Well, let's start with the interest rate first and understand that we always look at what we call real interest rate, which includes inflation. And so when you don't have inflation, naturally you're going to have lower rates. As inflation comes into play, then we're going to have higher rates. Um, We tend to, as investors, think of the, instead of the real rate, the nominal rate. What is just that number? And my goodness, look back at the 80s when we had double-digit CD rates, but we also had double-digit mortgage rates, and that's the difference there. Um, People are doing what we call chasing yield right now because rates have been declining. And if you're trying to get a higher yield, just know you're probably taking on higher risk to do that. 
one of the best places we're looking right now will be looking at dividend-paying stocks because we're seeing stocks paying dividends anywhere from the 3 to 5% range. But when you do that, you're taking on the risk of stock ownership because if that share price doesn't hold, you could lose. So be careful if you're looking at, I need to increase the interest rate or the yield, um, understand, uh, do I need to take on more risk? If you don't need to take on more risk, just know that you're going to be dealing with lower rates, ladder those CDs in different maturities, so if they start to go up, you can take advantage of that. Now, on the fiduciary side, you want to take that one? I almost forgot. <laughs> um, I guess I'll take the fiduciary versus suitability. And just to kind of step back for our broader audience, there's two, there's a couple different standards uh, that a an advisor must adhere to when they are giving you financial or investment advice. And one of them is the suitability standard, which is basically um, this this fits your needs. Um, this it probably isn't going to harm you. Um, and and that's it's kind of a bare standard for like we're we're not putting in anything that's absolutely ridiculous for them um, and is, is, is on its... Harm is relative. Well, yeah. yeah it, it, you know, for instance, if this customer needs bonds, we will put them in a bond fund. Now, but we're going to put them that, in one that we're going to make more money on. Possibly. They're not all doing that, Nancy. No, um, But a fiduciary standard is uh, such that the advisor must put your best interest above their own or their, your interest comes first. And so... Generally speaking, that's going to preclude a fiduciary advisor from putting you into things which pay them a large commission when a non-commissioned version is available. Um, it's going to preclude them from putting you into an expensive or uh, an expensive version of a fund when there is a better one available and they can easily find and, and get that for you. Um, how do you find out if someone is a fiduciary? You ask them. Uh, if they say they're a fiduciary, they're probably a fiduciary. I hope they're not lying to you. Um, generally speaking, folks who are registered investment advisors are fiduciaries. Uh, look to see also what their if they have certifications outside of just the the industry certifications. You know, for instance, CFA charter holders are typically going to be fiduciaries to you, um, and you know, so some of those certifications may have you know high, the higher standard of fiduciary kind of bound into them. Um, suitability, you often find that with brokers. Uh, people may call themselves a broker. A lot of folks are just calling themselves financial advisors now anyway. But you can also ask, do you get paid by any commissions? Do you get paid by any, um, don't call them kickbacks, because that's that's just a, that's just a dirty word. Um, but uh, if they get any payment from the fund company in a fund they're putting you into, that's an indication they're probably not a fiduciary. They're probably not looking out for your best interest, even if they're putting you in something that's, that's perfectly fine for you. All right, uh, David, we appreciate your call. Let's take our final break this hour. We'll get back. We will wrap things up. I continue to look for your personal finance questions and also talk about maybe some things to buy or not to buy or some other uh, personal finance-related things in the month of October. If you have a question, call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this.
listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been taking your personal finance questions this morning. Uh, and I wanted a quick follow-up, Ryder, on we were talking about a fiduciary standard and what was the other one called? Uh, suitability. Suitability. All right, so if you have someone who is supposedly going to that fiduciary standard, can you... If you don't think that they're living up to that, is there any recourse you have? Can you sue them in a court or how? right? And if you sue them, um, they're you, gonna uh, you're gonna be have to sue them based on whether you're going with the fiduciary or the suitability. And so if they are operating under suitability and you're going, well, you didn't act in my best interest, they're gonna be like, mm, sorry, I didn't have to. And so when it goes through the court system or through any kind of uh, negotiating uh, or mediation, that's the standard they're going to adhere to. Usually done through arbitration in the finance industry. Um, your first recourse, I always encourage people just to talk to their advisor. I mean, we even see a lot of folks who maybe an advisor hasn't put them in the best fund or maybe the advisor just, you know, hasn't made some changes in their account and, um, you know, we understand advisors are just humans as well and just call them and you know say you know i think this would be better or i think you haven't done this this and this what she promised you would do and um and sometimes that is enough um but that's that's a good starting place but of course you know if it's a situation where you're not comfortable talking with your advisor or your advisor is just consistently um done harm uh or done bad things or done things that they said they wouldn't do uh in your account then absolutely you know you need to start looking at uh, talking with, I would say, talk with another advisor to make sure this is kind of unusual and just to kind of get an idea of the scale of it because, you know, something that looks particularly bad to you might be, you know, might have been a good idea at the time, uh, for instance. Um, but then there are lawyers who work in, with this sort of case specifically uh, because, again, it is often arbitration, which is a fairly lawyer-heavy activity. All right, let's see if we can get these final two questions in. We'll and start with uh, Julie. Julie yes. Brookhaven. Julie, yes. You're, yes. On, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Okay. I, I always listen to your radio station. I'm listening to it right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my question was, I'm a poor person. I always hear in perspective for middle class and on up. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm uh, 68 years old. I'm receiving my Social Security. I'm working two jobs now, and uh, they told me that I would have to take out taxes now or later. So, mm-hmm. am I supposed to take out taxes? Am I still since I'm still working? Well, and you say take out taxes, you mean... Uh, out of my Social Security. Out of your, mm. Well, out of your Social Security, it could be that you have to pay some tax because you do have other income. If you're working two other jobs right now to try to put with your Social Security so you can make it from month to month, it may put you over the threshold where part of that Social Security is taxed. And um, I'm trying to... I think Ryder's looking up what it is. Uh, do you... Is it just you individually, or are you filing joint returns? No, no joint returns. Okay. It's, it's just me, and I also have, I have, uh, I take care of my, uh, two of my grandkids. 
Right. But it's just that they're going to be looking at your W-2 income or your other income that comes in to say how much of your Social Security will be taxed. And there are thresholds. It can be up to half of your Social Security. If you're higher income, the most will be 85 percent of your Social Security will be taxed. But you have to see if you're going to be under that income amount in order for no tax. What is it? Have you found it? So I, th- I think one threshold is $34,000. Um, I believe that's if you make over 34000 then 85% of your Social Security benefits are taxed. Um, I believe... I think that's for, um, yeah, for an, an individual? Yeah, for an individual. Um, and It's going to be in the, like, 20 range for... Uh, where it would be and half of it would be taxed. Yeah, it's, I, I believe it's twenty four twenty five where thousand dollars where they tax half of it, and uh, there are some adjustments to that. Um, I have a much more detailed calculator for this. It's at the office. So I'm not going to pull that now, out. But also know that you can ask Social Security to withhold some tax, so you can fill out a form saying, "Hey, can you just withhold maybe ten percent?" And they'll go ahead and pay it to the IRS, so you're not surprised when you get to the end of the year with a big bill? Well, I noticed that when, by me having two of my grandchildren and I put them on my taxes. Right, that uh, helps you. My yes. Re- yes, it does. And it, uh, the refund is lower, but I don't have to, they say that I don't have to pay anything back. Okay, so if you're getting a refund, do you have somebody who helps you with your taxes? Oh, yes, I have somebody, uh, well, it's, they're not professional. We both do it together okay. online. You know, it's like online. That's well, if you're good. getting a refund, you're probably fine. All right, Julie, we're pressed for time. Thank you for your call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms, and we'll be back next Tuesday for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 